You're listening to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast with your hosts, Dee Dee Wills Ed Brock And Adam Peterson Here we go We're so glad you're here Let's get started All right, everyone, welcome back to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. I am Adam Peterson, so excited to be chatting with my good friend. Hello, I'm Dee Dee Wills. Uh, again, I, I say excited because we haven't talked in a couple. See, we do really good. We do like two weeks in a row, and then <laughs> we end up getting so busy that it, it's nuts. I mean, this time of year is crazy. I can't imagine if I feel this busy how teachers are feeling right now. Exactly, exactly. It is a crazy period of time. I remember this you know, when I was in the classroom during like real life time, like regular times, like COVID. remember what 2015 <laughs> was like, like right when before the world lost its mind. Um, I remember October being absolutely the most craziest month of the entire year. I felt like October was crazier than um, September, the first day of school. Well, maybe getting ready for school too also, right. but because we always had all of our assessments due at this time of the year, yes. right? And so you're just hammering it out. Um, and then you had parent-teacher. We always had parent-teacher conferences and um, just like exhausted, like a new definition. So I can't even imagine how it is for teachers now. Um, I was talking to a teacher the other day and I'm talking to her, emailing back and forth. And she was the remote teacher for her school and she had... 100 kindergartners. Oh my gosh. 100 kindergartners she was teaching remotely. And I wanted to cry. She had 50 in the morning and 50 in the afternoon. Does that seem crazy? Listeners can't see my face right now. My jaw is like on the floor. Like I know. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. What does that what does that Zoom gallery look like? How do you even it make, looks like how many pages is that on Zoom? I don't like, know. Because <laughs> you can't fit them all on I the same screen. Know. I will say, I have I mean, no idea how that okay, works. so I mean, I really have no idea. That's proof that there's, I don't know what the right answer is anymore, because I think that school is on the right track to have a remote teacher. Like, here's your job, because doing both is, is absolutely wrong right now. But that's yes. wrong too. You can't have one remote teacher yeah. when there are 100 kids doing remote. Oh my gosh. You, I would have like, I would have my special tumbler, you know, that was like <laughs> solid. Nobody could see what it looked like inside. I'd be like, hold on just a second. Miss Wills needs a little sip. I saw something that said, said, just a reminder, teachers, don't forget to occasionally blow on the wine in your tea mug to make people think that it's tea <laughs> on the other side of the Zoom. <laughs> don't forget yeah. to blow well, on it. To I, don't, I don't know if she was in Zoom, but I know she was teaching that many in virtually. Maybe there was some other way that she was doing that. But uh, I was like, I was like, girl. See, I feel like I keep hearing stories like that that just surprise, like that just shock me. Like, I, I mean, seeing what Trisha is going through is is surprising enough, and then to hear that there's something like that. I also just heard recently a friend of ours is doing in person, but because of numbers of remote, like there, so there is a remote teacher. It's not her. Uh -huh. He's the in person teacher, but because the remote numbers are so high, the students in person are doing half day. So she's teaching kindergarten in the morning. They go home for the afternoon and the first graders come to school in the afternoon and she's teaching first grade in the afternoon. So she's not only prepping two classes, she's prepping two grades of stuff. Two grades, no. It's just insane no. right now. I just can't imagine. And then, insane. and you know, schools are hurting too. Yes. I mean, it's not just the teachers, it's the schools, it's the districts, you know, no money in, no money out. I mean, right. they are, they are, 
flailing and they need help. They need help. It should not just be, well, our, our school is still we could go into that. Couldn't we, but we could. they need help. Everybody well, our, needs help. Yeah. Our school is still on a half day schedule and it's because, because of everything that went on and is still going on, you know, COVID wise, construction is still being finished on this new addition that we have built. Oh. So while we have the space coming to have a giant cafetorium where they could spread out, right? we can't afford to do in-person lunches right now because for safety reasons. Sure. So, and sure. we're a K-8 building, so there's not enough time in the day to have eight different lunches, you know? Right, so right. I think once that's done, like once that giant, I mean, it's a huge, it's going to be a beautiful space, but COVID put it all on halt. Um, I think once that's done, it will be back to full day. Um, but I'm not going to like, it's, it's such a bittersweet time. Like Olivia, who's in seventh grade right now, is, and we'll land in two, he's in fourth grade. So he gets some homework. Like their homework's done before Trisha gets home from school in the afternoon because they have the afternoon of their homework where, you know, in previous years, Olivia would be going to basketball practice, doing homework after that late at night. So it's kind of, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Yes. I want them in you know school all day. I want them there. I want them with their friends and their teachers, but I kind of get to be a dad again and hang out with them in the afternoon. And then when I have my students, grandma gets to hang out with them in the afternoon and it's just right. a weird time. Yeah. Very weird time. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we'll have a different. <laughs> in case you're wondering, someone's at Dee's door. <laughs> my door. I'll be back. I don't know who could be at my door. Okay, so the, the, the dog's barking doorbell, that, that's just like a school interruption right there, listeners. So welcome back. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It's like every day. For In the life of a teacher, yeah. So yeah. I guess we were talking about you know the stress all teachers are under, what everybody yeah. is going through and how, I don't know that there's a right answer right now. You know, I, right. I don't know if we know it until until we get back to, to I, I'm not going to say if, I'm going to say until we get back because this is right. going to be behind us someday. So in the meantime... I love, I tell teachers all the time, like I, I, I'm not one who really worries about numbers on Instagram or, or, you know, the amount of followers I get. But whenever I speak to teachers, I always say like, please give me a follow because I want to see what's going on in your classrooms. Like I am loving watching the adaptation teachers are making and right, the steps right. they're taking. And really that's, right. that's what I love about social networking. I mean, obviously it's fun to, to see where teachers are doing and, you know, you want to show off your stuff as well, but I just love seeing what's happening in classrooms right now. I do too. I do too. I haven't been, I'm not very great about um, looking through things on social media, like Facebook, I, you know, I'm just going to where I need to go and then coming out. Um, same thing with Instagram. Um, but I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a little bit more of a friendly platform for, for all kinds of scrolling. And I would love it for us to, you know, again, have just a little friendlier, friendlier platform so we can see, see things that are happening. But we were talking last time or the time before, the time before. We, had, we had a Greg episode, <laughs> right? We were talking and then we had a Greg episode, Greg Smedley was on. And then we had another, um, this episode was planned uh, about games Yes. Uh, because when, when learning gets stressful at a game and instantly or almost instantly, um, it takes it to a different place and it takes it to such a positive turn. Um, and so talking about games in a learning environment um, was what we wanted to talk about. Last time we talked about games that could be done online, 
But then how do we bring games into a classroom where we're maybe having some face-to-face -face teaching, but we want to still be responsible with staying separate? Right. right? Yeah. It's one of those things that you, so you said it just brings, you know, especially in a trying time, a game does what it does. I had class yesterday yeah. in my new classroom with, with a little small group. I have two kids that come to see me at the same time. And the little boy walks in the, the waiting area of our office and I could just tell he was tired. Like he just told me, he goes, Mr. P, I'm tired today. I just woke up, he had an afternoon nap. And we sit down, we started playing this dice game and he was more lively during that session. I mean, we have fun in there every day. It is just play -based learning that we do, but he immediately woke up and he's like, what is this? And I was like, this is a brand new dice game I just made, buddy. And he got so excited and he was giggling the entire time. So it is, it's one of those things that regardless of student level, or tiredness or how your right. day is going when, when kids just get to be a kid you know and, and just get to play right. it definitely changes the, the atmosphere i don't know if you know that book worksheets don't grow dendrites i um, only know of it because of you and kim i hear you guys talk oh, okay. about it. <laughs> yeah so i mean they do talk about how a game like um platform structure allows students to invest more energy practice for longer periods of time, those skills that we want to do. And so, you know, of course we can always sit and do drill and kill, right? Um, that's always a way to perhaps students learn, um, but it's not the most effective way, right? And we can, right. we can actually have a game-like structure that allows them to um, have sustained attention over a long period of time and learning um, at the same time. So um, anyhow, I know you are all about the game. I'm all about the game. So we thought maybe we could talk a little bit about some games that we could play. And then some um, games that we could play and some games that can be really easy to implement, you know, without you spending yeah. a fortune as a teacher or, or really have to, to gather up stuff, I guess. Um, Didi, I don't know about where you are, but there's a store near us. And I don't know if it's just Midwest or, but it's called Five Below. Do you have Five Below by you? We do have Five Below. Everything's oh, okay. Five bucks, right? Yeah, and it's. I think they've changed their 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 uh, levels. I think now it's like five, seven, or ten, but it's still everything's under ten. So I'm waiting for the day they change to like ten below. But they have a huge game wall, like at ours anyway. There's an entire section that is like this back wall that is nothing but board games, and they're all knockoff of of name name brand board games. And then there might be some name brand ones on there, but um, it's a great place to go to get cheap ones. And and I. They may not be as, as good a quality as the name brand ones, you know, but in a classroom, they're going to work. You know, you're not playing right. them, you know, it's not going to get too intense, right? So, so what kinds of things did you see in there? So one that, that stood out to me right away, and I've seen this even, you know, the, the travel versions of this at, at dollar stores and in dollar sections. But I, when I think about this social distance game, like like games where you're not supposed to be sitting next to each other, right? Like there are some games out there where that is. Um, there's a couple that stood out to me. And the first one is one of my favorite games to play with my own kids here at home, and it's Battleship. And, and Battleship oh. is one of those games where you're not supposed to be sitting next to each other, right? Like right. you have your own board and you're supposed to be hiding it from your, your opponent. So right. I'm thinking about the way, like, like I haven't been in a, I'm not in a social distant classroom right now. So I'm thinking about the way my wife, Trisha, has her classroom set up and, and their rule this year and, and their administration has been so amazing about saying, listen, here's the expectations like make it work. You know, we understand that kids are not going to be six feet apart at all times, but keep your masks on, you know, like don't have them sitting on top of each other. And one of their expectations is that during whole group lessons, kids are supposed to all be facing the same direction. Like they're not going to be on a carpet on top of each other. Right. Right. But her desks are so easily adaptable that like she could easily have them turn 
and face each other and still be three or four feet apart, you know, because she hasn't spread out so well. So I'm just thinking like Battleship is one of those games that's supposed to be played that way. You're supposed to sit across the table from each other and you're supposed to hide your board and you're supposed to just talk. So I started thinking about, you know, as a, as a kindergarten teacher, the the basic way to play that game is, is, is pretty simple. And and maybe you're not giving your kids all five ships to put on the board. Maybe it's just one or two or three, you know, because that's where it gets kind of confusing. Um, and if you think about that game, it's just letters and numbers. That's all it is. A1, B2, J3. And right. they're following a grid to find that that box. So then I started thinking, well, how can we make this work for, for other groups? So how about instead of saying A1 or A2, you have to say the letter and then give some type of math problem. So maybe it's, you know, Didi, I'm calling you out on C3 plus 3. And you would have to know that it's C6 is where I'm calling Right. Or um, you and I know we've talked a lot today about before we start recording about dice. Um, You could throw in dice into that game. They have to say the letter and then roll two die, either subtract or add to find the number that works on that that board. So it's one of those games that could very easily be turned into a social distant game because you're supposed to be sitting away from each other. Okay. so as you're saying this, of course, my mind's going. I see you nodding. Listeners can't see her. She's just nodding. uh 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 Uh-huh. Um, so I'm thinking, what if you did it this way? Um, what if you had, um, you know, a teachers could make this themselves, right? So they wouldn't need to buy anything. Right. Um, but, at, but, you know, they could make a table, either they could do it on a computer or they could just draw it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at the top, maybe instead of letters, you could have different images. So maybe you have a cat, um, a top, um, a bed right and then the student would have to say a rhyming word right so hat look for the one oh that would be cat and then the That's, number i don't know if you'd want to have two different variables but if you have to turn it into an ela versus a math skill yeah. that could be could be something that they could do or they could they could keep the grid right and um Maybe on their maybe instead of a battleship, maybe they would have a um, an image there. Maybe you could have mm-hmm. them on little tokens. I'm like showing nobody can see this. Nobody I'm making a little circle with my hand, <laughs> um, but little tokens that could have a problem there or a letter there or some you know how many syllables. So maybe maybe the token is um, a helicopter, and so when they go see um, four and they say and they get oh, you got the helicopter, the person would have to say, helicopter, helicopter. They would have to give the, give the either a rhyming word or the syllables, syllables or whatever, and then they could get the token. So that would just be a way for them maybe I, to do some more some practice. Yeah, that's huge. And you know what I'm thinking? Like when you say you don't, have to, you don't have to buy something, a lot of kids, I know both of my kids, and I even had them in my kindergarten classroom have a, a three-ring binder as part of their supply, whether to uh-huh. papers in or, or do, like you could do, you know, two different grids. So you could be marking and calling where their ships are and just have it propped up on your desk, you know, and using a dry yes. erase marker on sheet protectors to cross out what you called. I know. Yes. So I visited yes. a good friend of mine. Um, we had her on the podcast a while back, Ray Hewart. Uh, and I think we, she was on one of our first episodes, I think. Um, we visited yeah. her classroom, which is a junior high math classroom. Gosh, it's been probably two years ago now. And she had a student teacher at the time that was doing a junior high level math 
battleship game using just file folders. So the kids had a grid on the top of the file folder and they leaned it up against their books. So it made like the shape of a battleship board, you know, like they had a top screen and a bottom screen. And they were doing points on grids like graphene and, and whatnot, calling out axis. And it was, it, was, it was one of those things I'm like, genius, like this could be play in, in so many levels. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. I never thought about Battleship in that way. Um, you know, it, obviously, these are all games that, again, once they learn the structure of how this game works, and I don't know how many kids play Battleship these days, I don't know. Um, but once they understand the structure, of course, there's the element of cheat in battle game. Right. <laughs> They're like, no, I'm not moving. No, I'm not moving my battleship. Right? Um, but there is or, that. I have, to, I have to go to the bathroom teacher and they're looking at the board as they walk by. Like. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, but once they learn that structure, you can just swap it out for so many different skills. You know, do you need the battleship or could you have some, could you have little problems? And teachers who might be listening to this, you know, you can always go on to um, Google Images and find images. They may not ah. all, or, or you can buy images on Teachers by Teachers too. You can buy those that clip art. But you can always go on there, Google it, print it out. I mean, first of all, the kids are going to lose their minds. They're going to have so much fun playing it um, that they're not going to care that you swiped an image from Google Google um, well, images. And if you do that and you decide, oh, I want to make, I want to sell this, just don't do it with those images because you can get right. big fat trouble for doing that. But and as you're saying your that, I'm thinking. I'm I'm just thinking constantly now. Like th this wouldn't even have to be a, a nine by nine grid like the real battle. So this could be a you know a five by five grid, and you could make right. it so simple. Right, depending on the grade. Yeah, your pre K kiddos could be playing this. You know, um, this this is I'm, I'm thinking nonstop now about this. I was just playing the regular old board game, and now you got me thinking like crazy. I know Land and our son. You know, teachers could even do it on a file folder, right? Yeah. So if they, they could make their grid um, on a file folder, and you said the top and the bottom, which I, I totally forgot that part of Battleship, because you want to track anyhow. You're like, wait a minute. I called that earlier. Now your Battleship's in there. Remember how yeah, you, you got to track theirs. I always have to watch Mr. Mr. Wills, because he's like a big time cheater when you play games. He has like no <laughs> ethics when you play games. It's like, there's no rules. They cannot be broken when he plays. <laughs> but um, if you did it on a file folder and then laminated it, yeah. right? And then it would open up, you'd have to have something behind it to kind of keep it from flopping over. Um, but then it could be used over and over and over again. Yep. Yeah. It is. There's a lot of That's ideas. That's a brilliant idea, Adam Peterson. Love oh, it. Thank you. So, and I've, I love that game. Not, I mean, we have the, the original version, I think. Landon has a Star Wars version where you have to destroy the death star and, and like one of you is the dark side one of you is is the the, the light nice. side and yeah there's a lot of versions of those games out there but again you don't need the name brand one go to go to your cheapo stores and and pick right. them up right and, and on that same thought process like games that that are meant to be played apart right um right. there's one that i think trisha introduced me to this i had never played it as a kid but there's a game called mastermind i don't know if you ever played that <gasps> yes one, where you're you it's a strategy game and, and yeah. also a like a process of elimination game. So yeah. those of you listening that don't know Mastermind, you're supposed to sit a, across from each other. Like you, you're, you can't sit on top because one person hides the board and the other person has to view it. So you don't have to sit near each other for this one. And the person that's hiding, so if I was the, if I was the one setting DD up, DD is the Mastermind trying to figure it out, I build a four color pattern 
hidden behind a screen or a, a cover on this. Yeah, this. like a little like a little cup thing. Yeah. Kinda. So I might build, you know, in the left, starting from left to right, red, white, blue, green, whatever it is. There's little pegs right. you use. And Dee Dee has to call out colors. So she would say two red, three green, or red, white, blue, green, or whatever the pattern is, however you set up the rules. And right. then I, on the other side of the little divider or the hidden cup, I put in the colors that she has correct. And if she has any correct, then she knows, all right, those stay there, but I need to fix these. And then she could say, all right, red, red, blue, green. And if she's right again, then I'd put in another red because she has two red, whatever it may be. So you're, you're, it's a process of elimination trying to figure out the pattern that is hidden on the other side to beat the, the mastermind. And, and now I remember mastermind was you would, if you had your four in there, you, you know, the opponent would put them in, right? Yeah. Um, and then the, the person who, who held that pattern, who knew what that pattern was, would put in how many you got right on that row, right? So they would, if you had four in, is that right? You would yes. have four in there and they would put like two pegs to show you you had two of those right, but they didn't tell you which two they were. Right, yeah. Right? I'm trying to think it through as I was talking. I'm sure you could tell Didi that I, I had no idea exactly what I was saying because my eyes were like no. nodding. <laughs> so no, listeners, if I made that sound like I really knew what I was talking about, I hope I did, but yeah. There, there are more rules to it, like how you place them and how you call them, I think. But what you would probably want to do in a, a primary is exactly what you said of saying, okay, you got white is correct. That right. would be probably exactly what you would want to do because I, I think masterminds really more for, you know, upper elementary. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a hot minute since I've been in elementary school, but I know I played that um, around that age. Um, and I remember it being, you know, it's challenging to remember, you know, to try to figure out what it was. So if you were to keep, to get five and six-year-olds to stay motivated to keep playing it or seven or eight-year-olds, then you might want to um, be more specific of, you know, okay, this row one is right and row five is right or whatever. Right. And then they keep working. Yeah. So that, I guess that's the way I'm trying to think like games that are supposed to already be played across the Separate. table from each other, yeah. right? Like that you don't need to be sitting right on top or sharing any, I mean, there's no sharing of pieces there either. You're doing it all on your own and they're all plastic pieces. So they'd be easy to wipe down. If it's something you created on your own, the kids have their own pieces anyway. Right. Um, it's just, it's one of those things. So that's one thing that came to mind too, when I was thinking about pieces and I'm sure this is nothing new to teachers, but if you're- So you could use, the students could use Unifix cubes, right? Yes. They could be different colors. That would be a great way to do the board. Um, and if you and I were playing, um, I would have a board and you would have a board. Mm -hmm. And then in between turns, there would be a question that you would need to answer. Think of something that starts with the letter, you know, P. And you could, you know, teachers, you could make like little cue cards so that they would, you know, hold up a, you know, it's your turn, Adam. I'm going to show you a picture. Here's my post-it note. Let's pretend there's a picture on there. <laughs> and then you would say, oh, that, you know, net begins with N. I don't know. You right, so you could do some of those skills, or you could again do the uh, rhyming words. You could do just depending on what you're working on in your classroom. You could do um, numeral recognition, letter recognition, sight words. Um, right. Mm -hmm. Well, and you wouldn't even have to going again back to teachers not having to spend a lot of money. You could make a a four column grid, you know, and, and the student could, and use Unifix cubes in place of the pegs. I was just thinking when you said Unifix cubes, I was playing. Candyland in my classroom yesterday with a student I see one-on-one -on -one, and we were working on Candyland letters so he had to flip over a, a Candyland card and then flip over one of our letter cards that goes with this series I'm using and read the letter before he could move to that space 
but he dumped the box out and he's this little four-year-old guy and he goes where to pieces and i said what and he goes where to pieces to move you know and i said well go get one of your unifix cubes out of your your toolbox because they all have their own tools in my classroom and right. he he went right to it so it, unifix cubes could easily be done because all the kids have their own pieces anyway right. Speaking of game pieces, something that would be kind of a cool thing to do also, teachers, in, you know, in your spare time, um, <laughs> is to take, you know, to take the photograph of the students and and yeah. turn those into their, their individual game piece for game boards that require just one game piece. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't want to do that for Mastermind. You're like, okay, here's your 70 pictures <laughs> of you, um, all wearing different t-shirts. Like that teacher would get like, I don't know, they would get some kind of award for being the most detail-oriented. But, you know, for other games that like Candyland, you could also do that. And that would help to keep those pieces from getting, um, you know, sure. we obviously know this is yours, Adam, because it's a picture of you. So right. I get it. All right, so those those are some games that that I think off the top of my head. I'm sure teachers, you are you are amazing thinkers and doers that you probably have a bunch that you're like, yeah, I've done that, been there, done that, creating this for a board game. That that's the way my mind works. Like I'm thinking, okay, what cheap board games could I adapt to work in the classroom? And I actually put some up on my YouTube channel. So if you guys go to Teachers Learn Two, the number two dot com, I had a series that I started before life got busy, and I started this new classroom called um, Social Distant Board Games where I talked about ways to play social distance games. You want to see some of those in action, like as an actual video of them, teachers learn to the number two.com. Uh, you can find some videos. But when we were talking before we started recording, Didi, you had an idea that I was like, duh, like why didn't I think of this first, that kids all have Chromebooks or some type of device in their classroom. So right. and, and right. we kind of both feel, I know we both feel similar. We don't want them in front of those all the time, but if that could right. be another tool to play right. some games. And you said, you sent me something that I, I think is just genius. So I'm, I, I want you to share that because I think it's fantastic. Well, it's already been, a created, I mean, it's a created hidden device, like a, a, a battleship board. Yeah. So um, one of the things that um, I always loved is the game of bump. And so yes. I've, I've always played it. I've played it over and over again. Um, and so I had created these um, digital bump versions, right? So it's in Seesaw and Google Classroom, but... I was thinking, you know, as we were talking, we were like, well, how would we do this if we had two players playing at the same time? And I don't know it would really work. I don't think it's going to work in Seesaw, but in Google Classroom, it works beautifully. Mm -hmm. So um, I sent Adam um, the same link that I was using um, at, for this particular game. And then um, I've made digital die, dice, but die, um, and embedded those into these Google Classrooms. So it's just basically a dice that they can play, stop, play, stop, play, stop, right? Um, and so we could, Adam and I are both on the same board. Um, I can roll the dice, he can see what happens with that. Um, and I could move my game piece over to the bump place. And then he could, I could, and he can see me doing that. And then he could do the same thing. So we can be in the same room we could be in different classrooms, we could be in different houses. So it would work um, either way. So right. that's one game that I think would work really well. Again, I don't think it's gonna be a great seesaw game because yeah. you, I don't think that there's any way to get two people in the same seesaw app. Like the, like the real time. I don't think you can in no, a real time. I don't time. think you can either. But Google Classroom would work. And if you are a seesaw teacher, you can assign it in Google, in seesaw. That mm -hmm. Google Classroom link can be assigned. 
or, you know, obviously we know vice versa, you can assign Seesaw, but you wouldn't, and you could Google Classroom. I, I love that. And I think obviously that's a genius idea for, for virtual learning. I love that you said across classrooms, like you could, cause I know at our school, our kids are in their classroom. They go outside of the playground, but everything else is done in their room. They're not switching right. teachers. They're not seeing some of their friends because they're, so how fun would that be? Like, you know, you and I have a different homeroom teacher. You're in, in kindergarten with, with Miss Adsit and I'm in kindergarten with, with Mr. Wills and, and we yeah. want to play a game together, you know, and right. we could do it that way. That's, that's could do it that way. So that'd be kind of a cool thing. Um, I'm working on, um, there's a game sequence that I've loved. It's like basically I love sequence. Love sequence. Um, and I'm working on a math and ELA version of that in, um, in a digital version, which is what forced me to figure out how are we going to do these dice? Cause we needed to do, well, I, I, I know one, one question teachers had is, are they sharing a dice? That kind of a thing. So right. this would be a way to keep it really, really separate, um, but really fun. So anyhow, uh, that was one thing that I thought um, would be One thing, going back to the actual handheld board games or like in-person games is, 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 you know, I'm a huge fan of Dollar Tree. You can get a 10 pack of dice for a buck at Dollar yeah. Tree, most Dollar Trees. Um, I actually just found Kim and I were together working on some dice games and they have a six pack of foam dice right now for a dollar so you can get six Perfect. foam dice and spread them out and, and not that we want you guys to spend any more money but if you're looking for cheap alternatives for the actual handheld pieces or what i always tell parents um if you're getting rid of any board games even if you, you don't think it's a game we're going to use in the classroom like let's say it's an older you know a strategy game it, it pull out the dice and the playing pieces please put them in a baggie and send them to school with your child because we'll use those at some point you know so Right. That's that's one thing to keep in mind is as parents start purging things or even at your own house or your parents or your your family is getting rid of games, even if it's not something you're gonna use in the classroom and they're just tossing it. Now, if they're donated to someone else, don't take all the pieces out of it. But if they're getting don't rid of it, guy. don't be that guy. Snatch up those dice and, and playing pieces and you'll have them for, for multiple they're games. So perfect. Yeah. I um I did the same thing. I went to garage sales for a long time. Yeah. Um and collect these. It's so funny because um, I, before you and I started recording, we were talking about how, like, why am I sitting in my kitchen? Because I'm having my <laughs> office, I'm like getting my office painted and all that stuff. So I had to move everything out. And so whenever you move anything out of that much stuff, um, I started going through some of my old files of like, do I really need, I was doing that like Marie Kondo moment, you know, this yeah, is right. boy. Um, <laughs> do I still need this? And I came across these games that I used to make for my class well before I knew how to do anything on a computer, like before TPT, before all those moments. And they were basically, I mean, they were a little sad. I mean, however, I remember my class loving <laughs> them, right? right. So we would play these games and they were made with just beg, borrowed and steal pieces, stolen pieces, um, written, you know, just a piece of paper with literally my drawing lines in there. I had all my <laughs> masters in these, in these file. Anyhow. So I, but you know, again, I love, I love doing what I do and I right. love making things that make it really easy for teachers just to click and go. Um, but at the same time, anybody listening to us, you can do the same thing. You do not need to buy anything in order to do this. Mm -hmm. You can, get index cards you know those little recipe cards i used to get those i would put the pictures on there cut them in half and those would be my my playing cards um you know you talked about the dollar tree it's a great place to get flash cards that yep. have and those could be your playing cards so you could have you know if you're using um addition flash cards or just numeral flash cards 
Um, oftentimes there's a lot of picture flashcards that you can use. All of those are great, great game tools to just add into something that you make. So for yeah. luck, you have it all, you're ready to go. You don't have to print anything um, or any of that as well. Well, there's, so. there's probably teachers listening to you that are like, oh yeah, I've already made a game like that. I've already made it like, cause teachers yeah. are all thinking the same way. Like when you mentioned sequence, um, so you and I were talking before that I've, I spent this week at, at Kim Adsit's house and we've, we've made a new um, pack that, that's kind of meant for a social distant classroom. Not so much virtual, I guess they could be played virtually, but it's meant for like a social distant game. Uh, dice game pack of 10 different dice games and one of them that I, I'm like I was telling her I'm like one of my favorite games in the world is sequence like we got to find a way to put this in there's got to be something we can do so we basically just made a bingo board that yeah. you play four in a row you could play five in a row but we made it a four in a row addition four in a row subtraction so there's multiple rules for it because in, in teachers that's one of those things like you probably already have something like that in your classroom you know even if right. you're a, an upper grade teacher and using a hundreds chart for something like that you know rolling yeah multiple dice and together or multiplication or division, whatever it may be. There's, there's ways yeah, you can to do 10, 10 more, 10 less. You can yes. do all different kinds of ways of doing that. Um, five more, five less on a hundred chart would be a great, great activity to do great support for them. So what are the type of digital ones are, are you working on besides bump? Do you got anything else you're doing? Well, I do have the digital seesaw that I'm working on. Um, you know, we have, we've been, that's, I've had sequence type games in my store, but they've all been print. So mm -hmm. working on those, hopefully having that done by the end of the weekend, I think. Cool. So, um, which is what prompted me to figure out, I've got to figure out how to do different die because yep. it would make it much better if we could do pictures to letters and letters to pictures, all that different kind of stuff. So, um, and counting, sometimes we need to have a bigger image for counting that would have, then would afford on a, a sequence game. So um, that's one game. Um, and then, you know, I have a couple of different digital game packs that I've put out three different game packs um, that have just a variety of different games. Um, so, I, I mean, once I figured out how to do this dice thing, it really did kind of open up um, right. a lot of different opportunities for me to figure out how to um, use those in the future. So, well, I, um, I think I love the idea you said about their computers, like, because my mind is racing now of games like I mentioned, like Battleship or games that have to be hidden and how easy that would be able to play across, you know, across the classroom. And I think even across a different classroom is, is, is my favorite part because Landon and Olivia both have friends that are in other homerooms right now that they don't get to see during the day very often, whether right. you know, maybe in a passing period or at the end of the day. How much fun would that be for them to be able to play these games with with a friend that might have been in their class last year? That they don't get to see this year on the playground you know like yeah that's yeah. a good idea yeah. i wonder what it would take like how much and i haven't had a lot of experience with google classroom but how much prep or sharing would that take on a was that like i'll work on a teacher or a student would be able to share with another student teachers are probably listening, answering I'm this thinking. question in their car right now for us they're like <laughs> duh we know the answer to that yeah skip it go ahead <laughs> what i think would happen is the teacher would probably want to set it up ahead of time. Yeah. Um, student, you would have to have, well, the, or the student could share, but they would just have to know how to share, right? right? So they would just click that share button and then add in their partner. But again, they would, they would need to know how to do that. If that's yeah. something you don't know how to do, or if you're working with the very young, it sounds like the very feeble. The very the young. young. Um, <laughs> then you, the teacher would just assign the same, you know, they would want to copy, they would want to copy the game board, right? right. And, and then have, 
um, and create a new link and then use that to link and assign it to two, two mm -hmm. students that we're working together. Yeah. Um, it would be, it would take a little bit of a time, a little bit of a time, a little bit of time. But here's what I'm also thinking that takes way less time than it did in the days when we were printing things out, laminating, cutting out pieces. Right. Oh yeah. So, you know, in, in that respect, yes, it is. It takes a, a little bit of uh, like organized thought. Okay. Who am I going to put on this game this week or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, but again, it, it's, it's not quite as, I mean, it's, it's a, it's mental work versus the physical work. Yeah. And I guess, you know, you could watch The Bachelor and cut out stuff at the same time. So <laughs> something. And, and I, honestly, like laminating is therapeutic for me. Like I love getting those little hot laminated things off and they're like warm and they feel so good. Like it's it's nice, right? That lamination. I know teachers in the car are like nodding their heads. Yep, yeah, yep. We I know the feeling. <laughs> I love it. It makes It's calming to watch, watch that thing go through the machine. But um you know, it does, it, that it's expensive also. So this well, is I'm, just, I'm thinking as you're talking to you about ways that we could be doing, cause I know one of the, the, my favorite place to play games, you know, when we're thinking back to the playing actual in the classroom now without the digital portion, was, was that like my small groups, you know, I'd pull kids over and our instructional groups were, were games. That's what we did. Yeah. So yes. I know I've seen so many pictures of teachers with like their, their, their bean shaped table that has the plastic dividers up now so they can have four kids sitting there or spread out with two kids, whatever it is. And, and I'm thinking like board games themselves, the purpose of what we're trying to turn these into educational games isn't, it has nothing to do with them moving a piece around a board. It's it's the skill they have to take before that. So it'd be super easy in your little pods teachers to to you be the person that controls the, the Candyland board, right? Right. You can find, and I'm just using Candyland because it's one of my favorites to introduce. Um, you can find, if you Google blank Candyland cards, you can find editable versions of Candyland cards that you can type words onto, type letters onto, or clip right. on, whatever you think. And you could easily make different sets of those for each student, right? Like they could have their own, and it could be based on their skills too. Like it could right. be, you know, you have Candyland cards with words you're working on. I have Candyland cards with letters I'm working on. We right. can play Candyland together because behind our clear dividers in our little cubicle, I'm drawing cards that matter to what I need to do and practice my skills, or even I'm rolling dice, reading those, adding them together, then drawing a card, right? And right. The teacher, the teacher could be the one moving the pieces around the board then while the students are actually practicing skills they need to be working on. Right, right. It'd be really easy to adapt that. So many yeah, ideas. This makes so me want to go. And hopefully, hopefully this episode just gives teachers an idea. I'm sure they've thought of some things, but maybe you've right. got a few ideas of like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Or, oh, this is a fun game that we always love to play. Now I can I can think of different ways to do it. So hopefully that helps y'all. Um, well, yeah, uh, just my advice for this type of stuff is just purge your game closets. Like at home, at your parents' house, at your friend's house, just like whenever you're visiting someone, just look at their game closet. I, I say that because we have one. I don't know if every house has a game closet, but we have a we have a ridiculously large game closet in our basement. And and I do that all the time. I'll go through and be like, okay, can I use that? Can I use that? Can I use that? You know, like card games too. Uno, you could play Uno socially distanced. They just have to see the card, right? So um, I don't know. I guess we keep saying things that you probably, like Didi said, you probably thought of teachers, but I always say this, think like a teacher and adapt and adapt and adapt. And, and you're going to come up with some brilliant ideas. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, all right. Our work here is done, Adam Peterson. <laughs> is it ever done? But yeah, this is good. <laughs> all right. We'll see you later, guys. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. If you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you are finding them. And share and rate it so others can find it as well. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.